close your eyes and place yourself at the moment before they took Jesus off the cross. His closest disciple, Peter, not only abandoned him, but denied him three times. Out of the multitudes that followed him, only his mother, his beloved disciple, and Mary Magdalene are the only ones left. You know that they'll be hunting Christians, for Romans and the Jews identify them as a threat to their authority. The rest of the disciples have fled to their homes. Out of all the disciples and all the followers of Christ, only one, Mary Magdalene, sought the Lord before anyone else, even before Jesus' mother. She went to the tomb right after the Sabbath. Death would not separate her from her Lord, her God. She sought Christ. As dawn broke, Mary walked to the tomb. As she neared, she saw the stone rolled back. Looking into the tomb, she cried out, for the body of Christ was missing. She turns and see a man, whom she assumes is the gardener, standing behind her. The man asks her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? John chapter 20 verse 15. She responds asking if she can know where they took the body of Christ. All that Mary wanted to do was to prepare his body properly for burial. Jesus then reveals to her who he is, and Mary rejoices. Through her actions, Mary showed her faith in her desire to seek the Lord. Turning the story back on us, how would we respond? Knowing that the tomb was guarded by soldiers, we knew that us attempting to visit Christ could have been met with severe reprisal. Knowing that Jesus' closest followers abandoned him out of fear for their lives, and the only person out of the multitudes that followed him into Jerusalem crying out Hosanna was a single woman. Could you imagine how that crucified body would look, especially after being in the tomb? Wouldn't we feel a element of sadness and also disgust? However, Mary Magdalene sought the Lord, and nothing could separate her from her God. Now, how would we answer Jesus' question, Whom are you seeking? Two natures. Our ancestors instinctively knew about this war in our hearts. The Native Americans and Greeks developed stories to explain this clash, the story of two wolves. The Native Americans speak about a battle of two wolves. As the story goes, a grandfather and grandson were walking through the woods. As they walked, they listened to the symphony of sounds all around them. But as they neared a clearing, the sounds of the forest fell silent. As they waited, they suddenly heard the silence break by the sound of growls, yelps, and snarls coming from two wolves locked in a bloody battle. A white wolf and a black wolf continued to bite and scratch each other. The little boy, scared at the ferocity of the fight, grabbed his grandfather's hand and clung tightly to it. After what felt like an eternity, the little boy looks at his grandfather and asks which one will win. Without breaking eye contact and looking away from the ferocious battle, the grandfather replies, the one you feed, a chariot in the sky. In Greece, they illustrated the conflict another way. They saw the soul of a man as a charioteer flying through the sky pulled by a white horse which is trying to ascend to the heaven, and a black horse that was pulling the chariot down to the earth. The charioteer's fate depends on which one he favors. We long for God, but we lust for this world. That is the essence of the conflict. These two natures cannot coexist. At best, it's a stagnant war, similar to how the Allies felt after France fell to Nazi Germany. A nervous state of waiting waiting for one side to attack. However, worldly teachers would say that both sides can coexist. However, in the depths of our souls, we know the truth. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. The world wants us to embrace, as Aristotle put it, the golden mean. What is the golden mean? Essentially, it's virtue in between two vices, two polar opposite vices, essentially. For example, between recklessness and cowardice, 
is bravery. Between gluttony and extreme asceticism is temperance. The world wants us to embrace this golden mean. They would like us to temper our zeal and our desire to have Christ as our King of Kings and Lord of Lords and bring this type of zeal to more of an acceptable level. Essentially, the world would like us to join our zeal for Christ with a more humanistic worldliness, which would give birth to an abomination called Mammon Christianity. A Mammon Christian can easily explain away the hard passages of Paul. A Mammon Christian also has the ability to wave off the laws decreed by an infinite God as non-binding and old-fashioned or hurts too many people's feelings. A Mammon Christian does not seek the hard path. They seek a God that they can take off the shelf and bring out on Sundays just to put him back on the shelf for the following week. A Mammon Christian seeks TED Talk high-minded, non-denominational, and especially non-committal Christianity. Our Lord demands something different. Either God is king, meaning God is God of the entire universe, or he isn't. In scripture, Jesus accuses us, saying that you cannot be a fence-sitter. You can't be 75% Christian and 25% worldliness. You can't even be 95% Christian and 5% worldliness and expect to win the race. God demands all or nothing, and one thing that God cannot stand is a fence-sitter. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Revelations chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. Since God knows man's proclivity to fence set, it is no surprise that scripture expounds on this issue in the Gospels. We're all familiar with the conversation that Jesus Christ had with the rich young man. If you haven't heard the story, I'll summarize it for you. A rich young man asks Jesus how to achieve eternal life. Jesus replies with saying, follow the commandments. However, simple answers never satisfied proud people. The man responds with, which ones? Jesus then proceeds to list some of the commandments. At this point, the rich young man proceeds to boast, saying that he has kept all the commandments since his youth. Jesus then replies with an unmistakable response, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. We know how the story ends. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Matthew chapter 19, 21-22 Christ calls out our desire to fence it. Either you give all to Christ or you give all to mammon. There is no middle way, no golden mean. The rich man said he was good, but his actions showed something different. The exchange shows a common excuse we give. What we say isn't what we do. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. We see the relation to the exchange between Jesus and the young man highlighted in Deuteronomy. To seek God, we must have an uncompromising approach. The key phrase is, with all your heart and with all your soul. Either you worship Christ by abandoning everything to him, or you're part of this world. If you're a part of the latter, you have not thrown off the old man, as Paul would say. This is an incredibly important topic to remember. We have to follow Christ 100% of the time, or none of the time. There is no golden mean. You're either a Christian, or you're not.